<laughs> okay, okay. That was not what I was fishing for. That's not what I was fishing for. I was trying to give us a little bit of space. Today we're talking about cultivating margin. And obviously that it's not something we do well. And I won't call any of you out, but some of you did not do that well. And if it was hard for you, it's like 10 times harder for me. Um, but we, in this noisy, noisy world, a lot of times quiet speaks louder than anything else. And today we're gonna be talking about cultivating margin. We have our, uh, our meeting after, uh, after my sermon today, just kinda letting you guys know a little bit about what's going on in the church. We do that periodically. Um, but today I really wanna talk about something that it's, it's funny as we're talking about life together and the series of being in community and the series of how to be in your family, how to be in your, fa- your church family, relationships, all of that stuff, uh, there was something that hit me a couple weeks ago and I realized, you know what we really need to talk about when it comes to life together is cultivating time alone with God. Because a lot of us don't have space for that. A lot of us are addicted to filling the gaps in our life, you know? It's like, oh, I got 20 minutes, what can I get done, you know? Or you got 20 minutes and you just like death scroll on social media, like, I, and, I, and I get it, that's like, that's what we do. We just, we can't stand the space, you know? And this morning I wanna create a lot of space. Um, I wanna create a lot of space for us uh, today and to, to know God's heart for the space that we have. Uh, years ago, um, I was talking to a friend of mine. I've written three books and published two of them. One of them sitting in the recesses of my computer and was maybe more for myself than anybody else. Um, but my second book that I, I published Uh, I published it right before 2020. Actually, I published it in March 2020, which I feel like something was going on in March 2020. Um, It was actually a terrible time to release a book. Um, But in that time, I was working here full time. I was going out on tour uh, occasionally, and I'd have people say, like, when do you have time uh, to, to work full time, to go out on tour, and to write a book? And I really prided myself in this comment. I used to say it a lot, and and some of you maybe even heard me say this. My last book, I wrote mostly between the hours of 2 and 5 a.m. And I would wake up, and my brain would be going, and I'd be like, well, I might as well be productive if I'm not going to go to sleep. So I'd go out into the kitchen, and I would write, you know, maybe I'd write half a chapter, and I'd go, all right, now I'm tired, you know. And I'd go to bed, and, and I realized... You know, a lot of times you, you take a step back and, and you, you look at something in your life and you're like, oh, I'm actually not proud of that anymore. <laughs> I, I actually realized that I was not giving a lot of space in my life uh, to the Lord. I wasn't giving a lot of margin to God. And this is something that none of us are really naturally good at, uh, especially in the, the context that we are in right now. In our current culture, giving space and being quiet is not valued whatsoever. It's like fill the gap whenever you can. But there was one guy that was super good at it. His name was Jesus. We talk about him all the time. Um, and there was a spiritual rhythm in Jesus' life that I want us to look at this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 12. I'm reading out of the ESV, and it says this. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, can you make me clean? And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he, Jesus, charged him, the man, to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to him and they were healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This story is so interesting because uh, especially when you read this story out of the book of, of, of Mark, um, Mark tells a lot of the backstory of Jesus goes out into the 40 days of prayer and fasting and spiritual warfare, and he comes back, he's passed the test, and he comes back into ministry, and he starts his first week as Messiah off with a bang. 
He's praying for people to be healed, and they are being healed, and people are shocked about it. He's casting out demons. He's preaching in the synagogue, and he is very busy. Suddenly, Jesus is this, like this most sought-after guy, and people are crowding around him. Now, any of us would say, hey, Jesus, you're doing ministry. This is what you should expect, right? Like, this is, for any of us doing ministry, you're like, oh, that's what's celebrated. That's what we hope happens. Like, lots of going on, lots of fruit, lots of people getting free, lots of people being healed. It's amazing. And Jesus does something so different than you and I would do. He goes off into desolate places. That word in the Greek is this word eremos. It means lonely, solitary, quiet, deserted places. And in the book of Mark, I love when Jesus goes off into the deserted places, his disciples start looking for him. So obviously he didn't tell anybody. He's like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm gonna go hear from the Father. And the disciples are kind of panicking because they're like, everybody's looking for him. And Mark says that Peter shows up, finds Jesus, and he says this phrase, Everybody is looking for you. What an understatement, right? Of course, everybody is looking for Jesus. He's healing people. They're like, people are going, I've had this thing since I was a kid. I would love to not have that thing anymore. Where is Jesus at? But Jesus created space. He's not like you and I. He didn't get his team together and have coffee and talk about how great ministry is and then write a newsletter to all his supporters like, Jesus went off on his own into a solitary place with the Father and sought his heart into solitary and deserted places. And this is something that we really need to cultivate. And this is, uh, I was listening to a podcast with, with John Mark about this when he was writing his book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you haven't read that, it's an excellent book. You should absolutely read it. Um, it's a bit of an adoption um, from some other material. But um, anyway, it's a great, great book. And in the book, he was doing research. He was reaching out to like clinical psychologists that were talking about this. And he said, you know, is, is this solitude thing, like getting out with the Lord, is that easier for introverts and harder for extroverts? And what's so interesting is in all the research, they came back to him and they said, it's actually not easier for introverts than it is for extroverts. Why? Because introverts, we want alone time, but we're still putting things into us, right? We're reading books, we're, we're listening to podcasts, you know, like I'm an introvert. I can fake extroversion for so long, you know? I'm faking extroversion a lot, you know, when I'm with people. Then I get home and I'm like, I need to turn on like a book on tape or podcast or something. I go do yard work. Like I'm alone but I'm not separating, separating myself from input. I'm still inputting things constantly into myself. And these days, that is so easy, right? I get stuck in the trap as an extrovert of like, how many books can I read this week? Like, how many things can I cram into me? How many podcasts can I listen to at double speed? And it's silly, right? Like, that is not solitude with the Lord at all. He said, research shows that if you're an introvert or an extrovert, solitude is equally hard for both camps. So this isn't a personality type thing. This is something that gets easier as a spiritual discipline in our life to do the things that Jesus did because we're apprentices of Jesus, right? We're followers of Jesus. When we look at the things that he does, we want to do the same. And it says that he often withdrew to lonely places, to those deserted places. And this is something that I think as we're looking at the life of Jesus and we look at at solitude versus aloneness, because there's something different about being alone and solitude. I love this quote. Cal Newport says this, solitude is a place that is free from inputs. Free from all inputs. Taking time, taking space. This is not optional in the life of a believer. We've been talking a lot, if you've been at Living Streams for a while, we've been talking about how we live in crazy times and that this is news to anybody, how we live in times that are really difficult and, and for a lot of ways and emotionally really difficult and we pay attention to things in the news and it drains us a ton. And, and we talk a lot about like cultivating this sort of deep root system with the Lord. And I realized, I was like, but if we, if we don't talk about alone time with the Lord, we're not talking about the how-to of growing deep roots in our life with Jesus. 
we have to talk about time alone with Jesus. This generation is, you can look at all sorts of stats, we're the most lonely generation, which is wild, right? Because we're the most connected generation. But we're lonely because when we're with each other, we're distracted trying to spend time with other people on our phone, trying to connect with other people. Then when we're alone, we're trying to connect with other people and it's exhausting us and it's this like death spiral for us emotionally where we never feel really connected with people because we're not present. And then when we're alone, we're not present with the Lord or with ourselves and we're trying to distract ourselves constantly. And this is a vicious cycle. When I first came to know Jesus, um, my friend Joel, uh, some of you know him, he used to be here on staff and he was uh, uh, my youth pastor in Tucson, Arizona. Um, and for, you know, the first few months I came to know Jesus, I was trying to figure out, like, what do I do now? You know, like, okay, I'm a Christian now, and I go to, like, church, but what else do I do, you know? And Joel was so great because he taught me, like, hey, you need to get away. You need to spend time with the Lord. You need to read, your, read the Word, maybe bring, a, like, a journal with you and journal a little bit. And that was a spiritual discipline that was given to me right off the bat that honestly, I cannot imagine my life with Jesus without that. Many of you in this room are the same way. I'm sure you would be like, yes, absolutely. Like without time alone with the Lord, how could we really grow in our relationship with God? Henry Nouwen said it this way. And Henry Nouwen, if you wanna slow down in life, read a Henry Nouwen book. Um, But he said this, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. And it's true. We need solitude. We need time where we're hearing from the Lord. As I was looking at a lot of scriptures and a lot of places where we would commonly talk about what this time, type of time is called, uh, one of the things that uh, is spoken about a lot in the Old Testament would be the secret place with God. The secret place. The best, most well-known verse would be be Psalm 91 when it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That word shelter is this word sethar in Hebrew. I'm sure it's said a lot harsher than that. (laughs) And Alan Heller probably knows. I'm just saying it's super American and I'm just going to lean into it. Um, Sethar in Hebrew. But it means the secret place, the hiding place. Shelter. Do you feel like you need some shelter in life? How beautiful is that? That time alone with God, that that shelter with the presence of God. When you're overwhelmed by things that are going on in the news, when you're overwhelmed by things that are going on in your family, when you're overwhelmed by things that are going on in school or work, in your relationships, if you feel like you're like, I just need shelter, I just need somebody to protect me just a little bit. I need some spiritual protection. When you spend time alone with Jesus, when you spend time alone with the Father, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. We need this right now. We need that shelter. We need that protection. It's beautiful. Another thing that we say often in Christianese would be The prayer closet. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Like going to your prayer closet. Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said this. He said, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. I think so many of us get caught up in this idea of prayer as a performance, Prayer is not a performance. It is not something that you do in front of people. Some of us, it's like you feel like you gotta quote five scriptures in your prayer and you gotta be really passionate and maybe you pray in Old English or something. Like you're going, how can I get a multitude of words into this thing to display the fact that I've been with Jesus? And honestly, if you spend a lot of time with Jesus, you would realize he would say in prayer, like don't be like that. Don't fill in a bunch of words. Your prayer life is best practiced between you and the Father. And what you build in secret will come out of you. What you build in the secret place, what you build in the prayer closet, what you build in your time alone with God leaks out into the rest of us. 
And if we really want to live life together, if we really want to be a church that's like we're connected with each other, we've got great community and relationships, and, and we're teaching each other about Jesus, and we're iron sharpens ironing with each other, you know, like if we really want that sort of community, then we will prioritize time away from that community with God. We have to. This is not optional. And some of us have to figure out, some of us have to get a little more radical than others. I am super distracted. Like, I, I, I don't know. I was born maybe before the time everybody had ADHD, so I wasn't, like, diagnosed with anything. But I always felt like, yeah, there it is. Yeah, see, I'm like, I, nobody would diagnose me. But I, was, I had a hard time paying attention. I couldn't, you know. So I'm definitely, like, very distractible. And my mind will go off. Like, I'd be listening to somebody, you know, teaching, and then my mind would drift off, you know, and... So I need to do something a little bit more radical to get space. And um, years ago, I, I was really in the season where I'm like, I'm frantic. I need to hear from God. I feel like I can't do it in my normal context. I got to get out. And I went up to Mount Lemon in Tucson, and uh, I went up with my lab, uh, Charlie. And, uh, and Charlie and I were up on the mountain, and there was a little bit of snow on the ground still. And we spent a few days up there um, in isolation, and right where I was camping, there was no cell service, and I didn't bring anything else to listen to music, so I had no music. Uh, I had my Bible. Uh, I had a tent and something to, to make coffee with, which is super important for me, um, and something to make a fire with, and I fed my dog, but I didn't bring myself food. I was like, I'm gonna fast and pray and spend some time alone, and I will say this, that first, like, 12 hours hurt. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, it physically hurt me to just sit there and to hear nothing, to have no inputs. Some of you are like, Ryan, I do that all the time. It's awesome. Great. Good for you. It is not easy for me. I sat there and I was going, this is like the loudest quiet I've ever heard in my life. And um, I remember one night, my dog was like on high alert suddenly and I kind of woke up and, and I, I heard what sounded like footsteps coming up to the tent. Now, again, I'm alone. It's pitch black. There's like, there, there is no way to contact anybody. And I, I for as far as I know, for like a couple of days, I've seen nobody. So I hear these footsteps like coming closer. It's freaking me out. And my dog's on high alert. And I get my flashlight and I start zipping down, you know, as quiet as I, as slowly as I can, you know. And I shine my light out real quick. And outside is one of the smallest birds I've ever seen <laughs> coming up to me. And I was like, it's so quiet. That bird sounded like a 200-pound man, like, walking up to us, picturing the worst, you know. And, um, but there was something about that. And it was one of those things, right, where a lot of times we get away with God and we have such an agenda, right? We're like, if I get away, then God will tell me everything about my life and he's going to reveal all these awesome things to me. And I remember I got down from the mountain and I was like, I didn't get any of that. But I spent time with the Lord. And so many times, and maybe for those of you, it's like, if this is a real regular rhythm for you, there are so many times I sit down and I go, okay, Lord, what do you want to say? And all I hear is silence. Now, I sense that the Lord is with me. I sense that he's with me, that he's kind of smiling, and he's not saying a word. And I'm like, Lord, say something, you know. But I've been following the Lord long enough that I know what he's saying by not saying anything. And he's going, Ryan, you want me to tell you something that you should do today or that you should do with your life in the next year? And I just want to be with you. And I just want to be with you and share some of my heart with you. Sometimes the Lord, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but he asks questions like, what's going on with you? And I go, oh, that's an interesting question. I don't know. That's actually kind of a scary question, you know. But it's that search me, know me, God, that connection with the Holy Spirit, that connection with God that is vital in the life of a believer. So I think some of us are a little too frantic. Some of us are a little too busy, and I think you know who you are. Um, and my challenge for you this morning is cultivate some of that space with the Lord. Carve out time to be with him. But then as I was praying for this week, I thought, there's another group of people too. Now, I think if I didn't follow Jesus because I'm such a strong introvert, 
I think I would have just spent all my time alone, um, and I think it would have been really health, unhealthy. And as I was praying about this this morning, I thought, there are some of you in this room that are too good at being alone. <laughs> Maybe you're watching online, like, you're a little too good at being alone. Um, and just because you're alone doesn't mean you're spending time with God. Does, doesn't mean you're spending time with God. I came across this principle uh, a few years ago, and I thought it was just such a beautiful illustration. But shepherds, when they're, when they're taking care of sheep, there are these things called bummer lambs. Have you, have you heard of a bummer lamb? I've never heard of a bummer lamb either. <laughs> a bummer lamb is a lamb that when a ewe gives birth, she'll give birth to a, to a litter uh, of lambs, and sometimes she rejects one of her children. And the child will come up, the lamb will come up and try to nurse, and the mom will kick it away and reject the lamb. And a shepherd knows the bummer lamb because the bummer lamb walks around with their head hanging low. And the shepherd will take the bummer lamb, take it back to his house, sit by the fire, feed the bummer lamb, get the bummer lamb up to to health, get it to the point that it's a full-grown sheep, and then release it out with the rest of the herd. And the beautiful thing is, when the shepherd calls for the sheep, who are the first sheep that show up? The bummer lambs, right? Because they know the voice of their shepherd really well. If you're in a season where you're feeling really isolated, got to remember the words of Jesus in John 10 when he said, the sheep know the sound of my voice. We need to be a people that hear the sound of his voice. And if you're in a season where you're feeling like, Ryan, I'm, I'm really good at being alone, I'm actually a little too good at being alone, I want to encourage you that the Father wants to meet with you. He wants to connect with you. He wants to speak with you, get you familiar with his voice. And I think to some extent, we can all relate to the bummer lamb, right? To some extent, we are all at some point that bummer lamb when God was seeking after us, when everybody else had rejected us. Now, before we go into our time, we're gonna go into our time of um, doing a congregational meeting, which is just for us. We, we wanna make space to share with you what's going on behind the scenes because we're not just a, a, a Sunday morning performance, but we're a family, we're a church, and we wanna let you know what's going on, and so we're gonna go to that. But before we do, I wanna just take one minute here, and I wanna pray, and then I want you to listen just for a minute. Just listen for the voice of your shepherd this morning. Give him some space. Lord, we are so grateful that you're not distant, God, that you are not a God that keeps us at arm's length or kicks us away, but you're a God that takes care of us and speaks to us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to cultivate space in our life. Lord, not to just let it happen by accident, but to be real purposeful this week, Lord, that we would really choose space with you and quiet with you. Lord, we're grateful that you speak to us, Lord, and we pray you'd speak to us right now. Just take a minute and listen. Lord, we're grateful that what you speak to us in private strengthens our community here. Thank you that what you build in us when we're quiet comes out in this room and in our life groups and in our workplaces and everywhere else. So Lord, help us to 
grow our deep roots into you, Lord. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this church. Thank you uh, for all the people over all the years that have poured into this place, Lord. And, uh, and I pray that, God, you would bind us together. Give us unity as a family this morning, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to take just a little bit of time to share some of the vision that has been going on at Living Streams. We are going to have a Q&A session in the family room back there uh, after service you want, if you want to ask some questions. Um, but this morning, we're going to hear from, uh, f- from Chris and David and Arthur. And would you join me in welcoming Chris, David, and Arthur to the, to the stage? I think Arthur is here somewhere. Oh, here he is, here he is. He snuck up on me. Good morning. So my name is Chris Eaton. I uh, get to serve on the elder team, which is a great group, and I love um, the privilege of getting to serve on that team. I currently chair that uh, team for two years. And um, and uh, my wife, and Lisa, and I have been going to Living Streams for about 20 years. So I'm going to start this off by just kind of giving some high-level state, state of the church um, things. And, and um, just going to jump into that. First of all, um, our weekly attendance, we, we track that. And um, for the last three years, that has been right around 1,000 adults. Now, it's not that important of a church. It doesn't talk about your – not that important of a – Metric. It doesn't talk necessarily about your rootedness or your fruit, but um, it is something to watch. And so um, we've maintained about a thousand o- adults a week for the last three years. Um, and over a longer time, we've grown. Um, but that's kind of been flat, which is, in my perspective, means um, that's, that's a good thing. Churches are churches are declining overall. Um, church attendance is declining. And the fact that we're Hanging in there um, is is a way to go um, to living streams and uh, and God's favor continuing on us. In my thought, um, our finances. We just finished a fiscal year and we have a about a three million dollar uh, budget for living streams. Which on one hand, wow, that's a huge number. Um, I bet Mark Buckley couldn't have dreamed of that big of a number in the early days. Um, on the other hand, that is um, for a church our size. That's wouldn't call it a shoestring, but it's modest. Um, there's others that do it with more. Um, and our team, our elder team and our staff are just very diligent, um, prayerful. Um, we just, we try the hardest we can to be prayerful and wise uh, stewards of, of the giving that happens and how we spend it. And we did have a shortfall, which isn't a good thing. Um, we, we fell short um, 250000 about last year. Um, we're very aware of that and conscious of that, um, but we're also tightening our belt on that. We do have healthy reserves as a church, and we did plan to go into those reserves for ministry growth, for Living Streams Espanol, for, um, you know, some spending we wanted to do that was visionary and risk-taking, um, but um, we don't want to go through those reserves. We want those to be there for a long time. So um, the thing I really want to hit on this is your generosity is um, really, really appreciated and noticed. Um, this is a generous church. Thank you. Um, it's part of being together as a church and doing our part. Um, also, um, I forgot my also, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> must not have been that important. Um, I want to talk for a minute. We, we also watch our uh, attendance. So the attendance number was adults. Youth and children is another uh, metric, and that is, um, that's been declining over the last few years. Um, not, not significantly, not alarmingly, but noticeably. Um, and that's a bit of a concern for me um, and for us. Um, I think um, what it means is that families are... Um, not going to living streams, which we don't love. Um, and uh, in, or they're going in, in smaller numbers. Um, so my thoughts, there are some families that come to us and they say we're going to a different 
church, and we don't love to hear that, but um, that's, you know, if you find a good church and God's moving you, that's one thing. Um, but there's families also that are not going to church anymore or giving up on it. And um, I just want to address that with those that are here and are doing it. Um, and uh, if you have families, I really encourage you, kind of parent to parent and maybe dad to dad, um, this has been such a blessing for my family. I'm at the tail end of raising kids, and this church has been so important to raising kids and such a place where um, it's a foundation of Christ in their lives. And just um, if it's hard or if there's reasons not to, just keep doing it. Um, really be careful about stopping um, going to church as a family. Um, um, we also have great children's and youth ministry. Our pastors and our leaders are, are fantastic and awesome. Great place for your kid. Um, life group leaders and volunteers um, is the next topic, and uh, we have about 39 uh, life group leaders and between 300 and 350 volunteers. Right on. Way to go. We want to see that grow. We want to see that happen. Um, It's the Holy Spirit. Being, being, up here, <laughs> being up here, we could see like a dozen people go, oh. <laughs> I thought something was going to hit us. All right, eyes on here, people. Um, but way to go, small group leaders. It's an extension of our fruitfulness to have volunteers and have ministry happening that's not paid. Um, and so we want to see that grow and really want to accentuate that we're um, super proud of our volunteers and, and love that. Um, last thing is a really fun one, a really big one. We've had 48 baptisms in the last year. Let's applause for that. Um, that... That is new life in Christ. That is people declaring their life in, in Christ. That's a command of Jesus to baptize the nations in the world. And so um, way to go, Living Streams Church. Yeah, well, thank you, Chris. Um, I've heard lots of horror stories about working with elder teams and boards. And um, just so you know, I, I've enjoyed all of, all of my interactions with our elder team uh, here at Living Streams. So... Uh, those guys, they do a lot of cool things behind the scenes, but I'm so thankful for them. Um, I've been back from Ireland for six months already, which seems fascinating to my family that that, that much time has gone by already. But uh, in that time, I've been doing a lot of catching up around here. Uh, it's so true what Chris said right when I first got back that the fact that Living Streams did so well is a real credit to you guys in a lot of ways, the maturity that you have as followers of Christ and and kind of going, going through all of that with us, but also obviously a huge testament to Ryan and the team and how they conducted themselves and led during that time. So I'm so thankful for them. Uh, they did such a wonderful job. So in 2015 is when I was um, asked by the, by the Lord and the elders at Living Streams if I would come in and, and bring in a generational change to Living Streams um, and get us to a new level of, of stability and strength. And so I, I felt... You know, I would give it a shot. Didn't know if it would work. Didn't know how it would go. Um, but after seven years of, of really working together with, with everyone, we got to see a lot of our hopes uh, come to fruition. It was really a wonderful season, a wonderful time, and I'm so thankful for it. And, uh, and now, as I've mentioned, I, I feel something different. I feel like the Lord has sent me um, to Living Streams and, and been talking with our leadership and working through a lot of those things. And this, this is what I'm sensing the Lord leading us into. And it doesn't sound that cool, but lis listen to it um, and, uh, and see if it bears witness with your soul. But I sense the Lord leading us into a season of sacrifice, of sowing generously and wisely on behalf of our city and the next generation, obviously to glorify King Jesus. Uh, truly, this is not just what is right for our church, but a season of sacrifice and sowing generously and wisely is what our country needs right now as well, and I think it falls to us to be an example. Um, and so I think it's time for us to really be bold. I think it's time for us to be a lot less consumeristic and, and a lot more creative and, and creating more than we consume as the technology in our day and age is, is really trying to form us in the opposite direction. I think it's a time for us to really figure out what it means to be selfless um, instead of selfish as, as people, as a community, um, as followers of Christ. And uh, it's a time for us to be sober-minded 
as believers, I think we need to have our eyes wide open and uh, we need to be listening carefully to the Lord, like Ryan was saying, cultivating that, that understanding and discernment um, and margin in our lives. And uh, I've, I just keep feeling like the Spirit of God is putting in my heart just this, this, this need to be defiant. And not in an inappropriate way, or not being a jerk, but just this kind of inner defiance as to what, um, as what the, the world is saying about Christianity or what Christians should do right now. I, I think that, that we shouldn't listen to their counsel. We should listen to the Spirit and stand up in defiance. And kind of like what we said, um, coming out of hiding, picking a fight with the darkness, and figuring out what together means. And maybe even a little dissident from some time, uh, time to time. Now, some of you, you, you're too dissident all the time. So you need to kind of, you know, just stay where you are, maybe temper it back a little bit. But for the rest of us who might be a little more rule follower or, or a little bit more fearful, um, I think the Spirit is saying, hey, it's okay to be a little dissident from time to time. And hopefully we'll make more sense of that as, as things go on. But basically what we're trying to do is find the way of Jesus in our day and age. And, and, and there's, there's a lot of political swirling. There's a lot of ideological stuff going around. And sometimes the way of Jesus does intersect, intersect with, with politics. And other times it doesn't. And I think we just need to be really careful, especially in this next year, election year, to find the way of Jesus and discern where, where it does and where it doesn't and not be fooled. Um, so how we're going to accomplish that, these are just some things that are really exciting to us, things we want to chase after, things we want to fight for, things we want to aim at. Um, and they're in, on your agenda if you want to pull those out. If you didn't get one of these agendas, just raise your hand and we'll have someone bring one to you. Um, but this is, this is like my heart and soul poured out on paper. So um, don't take it lightly, uh, please. Um, vision and mission, it's the same as it's been for 39 years. Uh, we're going to celebrate 40 years next year. But, um, and that's to be a healthy local church um, with plenty of margin for the Spirit of God. Um, and yet also creatively expanding God's kingdom. We want to be active in doing that. Uh, we always want to make sure everything we do um, builds courageous people, displays God's glory, and engages in society's pain. So those things are still locked in and loaded as we enter this next season. Some of these goals are similar. Some of them are a little bit different. Um, we want to send 50 long-term missionaries out by 2025. We've sent out 25 um, already, which is really exciting, and we have people um, set up to go for more, but we love what that does to our community, both in the process of doing that and then also the stories we get to hear afterwards. Hosting 500 Spanish-speaking congregates by 2027. Um, we have a, a hundred already with Living Streams Espanol and Mario and Silvana are doing just an awesome job of building it the right way, building leaders, building it um, in a really neat way. So if you want to check that out more, you can. Um, intentionally train up and release 599 volunteer ministers by 2025. Um, we really feel like it's important for us to continue to train up and raise up the people that we have, especially those in the volunteer category. And uh, we did a volunteer team night, I think, a month and a half ago, and we had 290 show up there, and that's the beginning of this inclusion and infusion that we're trying to do for our volunteer leaders. And, uh, yeah, we're excited about that. Um, some of these things break down into continuing to establish Living Streams Espanol as a strong church, multiplying ministry efforts in Phoenix. It just makes so much sense in the city that we live to invest in this way. And, uh, and hopefully if you can continue to partner with us in that. We also want to plant four new churches in the next 10 years. Yeah, we got a moan. We got a real live moan on that one. That was awesome. I mean, a good moan, not a bad moan. Um, and, and believe it or not, we, we've actually launched um, the church at just outside of Dublin. Um, this is, is, is kind of a continuation of our time in Ireland. Jim Watkins I, and I are apostolic elders for this group. We're actually going to set up Ryan doing some training with the leaders. Um, and so we're going to include them in some of this, um, these numbers as well. But it's very exciting to see that happening. And then we know the Del Turco family, they've committed to going to Kansas City next year and launching a church. And it's a fascinating story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's a fascinating story um, that the Lord is doing already. Uh, so if you want to find out more, you can, you can check out um, their information there. And, uh, and then South Phoenix, we still have a heart to see the Lord um, help us partner with or, or begin a fresh work down there. And, and some of that stuff is in the works, but it hasn't become totally clear yet. 
And then Northwest Phoenix, we had an interesting opportunity up there come across our table. So be praying about those things, or if that gets you excited, jump in, let us know how you can help. Um, we have a 37th Avenue campus, 37th Avenue Camelback, in an interesting part of town. It's kind of in the shadow of, of Grand Canyon University, but uh, it's also right next to Alhambra High School. We have a Hispanic church meeting there, as well as a church for people who are on the street. Um, the church on the street group is just so, it's so powerful being in that group um, on, on their meetings. But it also is just strategically placed for a number of other things, and, and so we want to see those things come to fruition. So we'd love your help with that. If any of you are renovators, it needs some work. It's, it's an ugly building. I don't know how else to say it. It's just an ugly building. And one of the buildings doesn't even have a foundation, we found out, which I guess is not that great. Um, seems fine to me, but <laughs> I'm not supposed to do it that way. Um, so uh, also to pay off Central and Glendale, this property right here. Yeah, it's just a mere $2.8 It's like pocket change, you know. Um, but this makes so much sense, too, because it would free up 15000 a month for us to reinvest in the property, make sure it's viable for future generations as well as ministry efforts. But all $2.8 would go into the First Baptist Foundation, which they use to plant churches and, and send out missionaries. And, and it just so happens that we are at the top of their list. They've given us priority. So all of the plant, church planting efforts that we have, they give us priority towards funding. So, I mean, how beautiful would that be? It would be beautiful. And I don't have that money on my own. And I've already asked these guys, and they, they don't have a lot to offer right now. So, <laughs> anyways, we could help with that. I just think it would be huge. And, again, it would be, it would be a really awesome defiance in the face of um, all of the financial tightening that we're all feeling right now. Now, don't be dumb. Don't, don't give in a dumb way. But I think it would be, but give in a generous way. Um, help five proven leaders pay for seminary training at GCU. We've got an interesting connection with GCU to where we can get some pretty good deals on seminary training. And um, the statistics are showing that there is a, going to be a major gap, a major crisis gap um, in the church in America if we do not do something about recruiting people and helping people find a calling to serve in local churches. And uh, we really are feeling strong about that. So we want to we push ourselves into that. Arthur's going to share some practical yeah. needs around the facility. Sure. I'll, I will give some context to that bird. Uh, it's part of our security team. So <laughs> if you start seeing it fly around, heads up. Its, it's name is actually Chris as well. So, um, But um, I, I just want to take a moment to thank our congregation. Uh, I, I said this to the team many times, but as you drive up Central Road, there's those beautiful trees where I provide shade and our deep roots. And when I think about that drive, I think about you guys. You guys are so deeply rooted in Christ, providing shade. And as we look for this next generation, as we look towards celebrating 40 years and beyond, um, there are some urgent uh, facilities needs here on campus. So I wanted to share those. Um, our team took a census of a campus room usage just this past week. We looked at Sunday through Saturday uh, we noted that our campus hosted 80 events, meetings, services, and classes throughout the week. Hosting these gatherings for God's glory is an absolute honor. However, there is wear and tear and emergency repairs from everyday use. Here are a few urgent needs and costs for our facilities listed on your handout and on the screen. Uh, the first one's painting our building. Uh, I think Ryan shared this statistic uh, with our team, but I think something like tens of thousands of cars pass every day on Central and, and Glendale, and that is really a value to display God's glory. So you want to be good neighbors and uh, just really make this place shine. Our HVAC system is, is, is at its end of life, so we're really on borrowed time for our uh, heating and cooling of this building. And then um, lastly there, you'll see um, new carpet for this building here. It's, uh, again, it's uh, well past its life cycle. I guess I will share one need. This is more of a personal thing. Our gym, our basketball hoops. I've been shooting a lot of air balls, so personally, I like to see the hoops lowered a little bit more. So uh, I'll turn it back over to you. <laughs> yeah, a couple, and this is, these are things that have 
that are coming up probably in the next year. They're a little bit um, things we're asking everyone to join us in prayer for. And, and even if you have ideas or if you are feeling called to uh, participate in helping us figure these things out. Um, summer internship, we do that every summer. But this year we're, we're, we're trying to lead into something different. We normally teach people here that want to be an intern, you know, worship ministry, um, youth ministry, children's ministry, uh, some, some, you know, creative arts and, and communication type stuff. But, um, but this year we were thinking it would be cool if we, if we added um, a, a, like, trade element, some training for life skills and job training. And so we, we've talked to a few people in the church who have their own businesses or they, they have a, a trade skill. And they've all said it sounds very exciting to, to, to spend a summer having an intern come and they can, they can work with them. So we wanted to open it up to everybody. If you have a, a trade that you, that you know how to do or could teach, or a business that you run that you could have an intern. We think it would be great to do a little life-on-life discipleship with, with someone, um, to teach them some life skills, but then also give them some actual practical job training um, that they can use for the rest of their lives. So that, that's just an interesting thing we're, we're looking forward to. Um, so, and, and we think that future leaders will, will probably need to be bivocational in a lot of ways. Um, so we're trying to lean into that. Another thing, this is a huge one, um, but potentially partnering with Great Hearts Christos um, to do a K through eight uh, campus here on, on our campus, a school here on our campus. And we've been talking with them for actually years. They're really interested in this property. They'd love to open something. And uh, the Great Hearts Christos side, it would be the Great Hearts Charter School and their classical education, but in a, a Christian worldview perspective. And, uh, and so, yeah, we've been talking about that. These guys actually, while I was gone in Ireland, um, we're, we're thinking about even pulling the trigger then, but then at the, at the last minute they decided to wait until I got back and to wait until the Lord made it clear. And so it could be potentially fall of this next year. We could be opening that up depending on how all of the talks go or potentially 2025. So please be praying. That's a, that's a big one. Again, it, te- it, it makes our, our campus be a little bivocational in some ways, but um, it also um, is a lot. It's a lot for the staff. It's a lot for the facility. And it will change all of us to some extent um, in, in, as far as parking and pickup and some of those things as well. But, uh, but yeah, so be praying about that with us. And then the last thing, this one is, is uh, hopefully exciting to you. Um, I've been cultivating a relationship with Noe Garcia at North Phoenix Baptist, Brian Kruckenberg at New City Church, and uh, Tim Birdwell at, at Phoenix Bible over, over a number of years. And I just met with them and said, hey, what would it be like for us to get together and, and do something beautiful? Next year's election year, you know, you got the Republican Party and the Democratic Party firing up all their machines trying to do something really, really powerful. And it was like, what if, what if we kind of joined forces and in some ways flexed our muscle a little bit, not in a political way, but just in a beautiful way? And, and what we came up with might not sound that crazy, but, um, but it, it, it might be. Is to join is to have all four of our congregations join together on a Sunday morning in Indian Steel Park, Steel Indian Park, um, and and it it's, might not seem like much, <laughs> but it's it's hard to get people to give up a Sunday morning. It's hard to get Baptists to give up a Sunday morning. Maybe it's hard to give. Yeah, it's hard for everybody. There's it's it's scary. It's uncertain. It's the outcome is uncertain. What's it going to be like? Will it be a good experience? I don't know any of these things. But, um, but I think it would, it would be something really beautiful. I think it would say a lot to the principalities and powers in the air. Um, I think it would say a lot to the city of Phoenix. I think it would say a lot to the younger generation that doesn't believe the church is beautiful or can do anything beautiful. And I think it might actually kind of cultivate some new things even within the, the central corridor in Phoenix um, where we're not, we're not competing against each other. We're building the same kingdom. We're not building Living Streams kingdom. Jesus didn't die for that, but we're building his kingdom, and that's the kingdom that we want to be building. And so anyways, that's something that's going to need a lot of prayer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to need a lot of prayer. Um, it doesn't seem that complicated, but it is. It's probably going to need, fi- we're going to need to rent a stage and all those things, so there's financials. The city of Phoenix isn't the super quickest, easiest to work with. Um, so all of those things are there, but um, anyways, we want to just lift Jesus' name up which he said if he's lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. We want to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face because he said if we do, he'll heal heal our land. And we really just want to love one another because Jesus said this is how you know that we're your disciples, by our love one for another. So we're leaning into that.
and uh, hope you could go with us in that endeavor. Ryan's going to kind of finish up things here. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. We do this a couple of times a year, uh, just keeping you updated on what's going on with the church. Uh, we're going to be in the family room here in a few minutes uh, right after service to answer any questions. So the four of us are going to be in there. Uh, you could come in and ask any questions that you got. We're an open book. Um, if you notice at the end of your uh, handout, there's a little QR code. Uh, this is just a way for you to uh, take about five minutes and fill out a, um, a questionnaire and just give you an opportunity to share with us anything that's on your heart with uh, what we do on a Sunday morning or ministries outside of that. Uh, so please, if you could, take five minutes to, to fill that out. That would mean a lot to us. Um, and then on that note... Um, we are just really grateful for you as a church. And uh, one of those, if you notice that 599 number, <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange number. It probably, I saw a few smiles and, and raised eyebrows. Uh, but we really are trying to lean into getting a lot more volunteer leaders. And so we just want to say, Living Streams, we, we, we have a lot of vision for you. We have a lot of vision uh, for you growing in your ministry here. And we are really committed and working hard uh, behind the scenes to create a lot more curriculum and, and places for, for growth and connection around here. So just be, please be praying for us. It really matters and it means a ton to us uh, to know that you're praying. So take the sheet, throw it up on your refrigerator or something, pray, pray for us as we're chewing on all this stuff. But on that note, let's pray and then you are dismissed. Lord, we're grateful for Living Streams. Uh, we're grateful for the, for the Buckley family for starting this church and for David stepping in and for uh, all the things that happened in between. And you've been so faithful to us for, for nearly 40 years now, and we're grateful for that. And, um, but even beyond that, Lord, you've been faithful to your church for 2,000 years. And, um, and I pray that we would be a people that really rely on you, that really lean on you. Uh, and we pray that, that living streams would glorify your name more and more in the coming years. Uh, and that this next season will be really fruitful and really beautiful. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.